It's good to be home. It's good to see you all. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord and seek His blessing this morning. Our Father, we bow before you, a humbled and a grateful people. Father, we're so humbled in thy presence. Just some understanding of who you are and who we are humbles us in thy presence. And that you would choose to be merciful and gracious, abundantly merciful, rich in mercy and grace to wretched rebels like we are. Father, how humbled and how thankful we are. And Father, it is our earnest plea this morning that you would, by your Spirit, enable us to worship you this morning, to worship you as you ought to be worshipped, to take our place before you in the dust and to worship you. Father, I pray that the name of your Son would be exalted in everything that is said and done here this morning. Father, for your great name's sake, for your glory's sake, I pray you'd be pleased to show us your glory. And Father, for our good, the good of our children, the good of our community, Father, show us your glory, that we might run to thee, find in thee everything that is required of us, freely and provided in our Lord Jesus Christ. And while we pray for ourselves, Father, we pray for your people, wherever they're meeting together today, Father, bless your word. You don't need us to tell you this is a dark, dark day in which we live. Father, we pray you'd be pleased to give a revival in the land, that you'd shed forth the the light of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in the land once again. Call out your people to yourself, we pray. Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now, I've titled the lesson this morning, Submitting. I just have one verse as a text, verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. Submitting yourselves, one to another, in the fear of God. Now, here Paul tells believers to do something that is very, very contrary to our nature. He tells us to submit. Is there anything more difficult for this prideful flesh than to submit? Paul tells us as believers, our agendas and our wants are to be made subordinate to the needs and wants of everybody else in the congregation. We're to think about what's best for everybody else first and ourselves last. That's what he means by this word submit. We're to obey others. We're not to push for others to obey us. We're to obey them. We're to do what others want, what others need, not what we want. Now, there can't be anything more unnatural to our self-centered flesh than to submit. And I tell you, true submission, this is why it's so difficult for us to, to truly submit, is because to truly submit, it's not somebody taking a, metal rod and breaking your knees and you know making you 
True submission is a willing thing. And to be willing to submit, that takes humility. And that's something not one of us has by nature. Humility. And I really like this. I've never really noticed this before, but as I've been reading through this chapter this week, I, I really like this. Before Paul tells wives to submit to their husbands, and before he tells children to submit to their parents, and before he tells employees to submit to their bosses, he tells all of us, submit to one another. All of us are to submit. And believers will. Now, believers will submit. Now, not perfectly, mind you. I understand that. But we will submit. We'll submit to one another. But we'll be a, a, a submissive people. Like I said, not perfectly, not all the time, but, but we will. If you're a believer, if you know Christ, you have experience submitting, don't you? You submitted to the righteousness of Christ. You submit to the lordship of Christ. And we can use that experience to submit to one another. And this morning, I want to give you six reasons for a believer to submit. Number one is this, to submit for the good of the church. Paul says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, we're, we're to submit to one another, everybody in the congregation, in the fear of God. That's the key to this thing. The fear of God is reverence. It's reverence for God. Now submit to one another. Give in to what others want. Do whatever it takes. With, and you know, you understand I'm saying without compromising the gospel, without comprom you know, you know what I'm saying. Give in. So that there's not fussing and fighting. Don't make, don't start a fight insisting on your way. Just submit. Give up your way. So that there's peace. And here's why to do that. We can only worship God if we're at peace with one another. It's just impossible to worship God if we're fussing and fighting with one another. It's impossible. Now, isn't worship why we're here? I sure hope that's why you're here this morning. I sure hope that's why this body meets together every week to worship God together. Now, that's why we're here. Now, you do what it takes to make sure that happens. In submitting to one another. I'll tell you another good de definition of the fear of God. Is for the believer to be afraid. I mean terrified. To look to or trust in anything. Other than Christ alone. Now if you want to look to Christ alone. You want your brothers and sisters here to look to Christ alone. Don't get them looking at you. See, submit. Don't, don't submit so that we're not focused on self. Just submit and let it go. Because this is why I can tell you, if I'm focused on what I want and I'm not getting it, I'm not hearing the gospel that's preached. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm focused on myself, not on Christ. So submit. Submit so you can be focused on worshiping Christ and submit so that others are not focused on you. You know, if somebody's sitting over there mad at you because, you know, you're fussing and raising a ruckus and you're wanting your way or you got your way, even though, you know, it might hurt somebody else. If somebody's focused on you because you're throwing a fit to get your way, they're not looking to Christ. They're not worshiping Christ. 
And like I said a minute ago, now isn't that why we're here? We're here to worship. We're here so that Christ is exalted and we're put in the dust. Now, is that right? Then get down in the dust. Let's all submit one to another and get in the dust so that Christ is worshipped. Because that's why we're here. We're not doing anybody any good if we're not worshipping. And I know people think, and maybe uh, earthly speaking it is, that submitting to someone is an act of weakness. But for the believer, submitting to one another, you know, that's not an act of weakness at all. It's an act of faith. Giving up my way so that there's peace, so that we can worship Christ together, that's an act of faith. Giving up my way, and I'll just trust the Lord to take care of the matter. That's an act of faith. So it's not weakness, it's faith. All right, number two, look at Romans chapter 10. Here's a good reason to submit to one another. Because salvation comes through submitting to Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ. Now, if a sinner is going to be saved, we're going to have to submit ourselves, aren't we? We're going to have to submit to Christ. We're going to have to submit to the righteousness of Christ. That's what God's word says. God tells us in his word, this is a commandment. That's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not like, you know, no, this is a commandment from God. Quit. Quit trusting in yourself. Quit trying to work your way. Quit trying to do something that you think will make you righteous enough that God will accept you. Quit that. Just quit it. And trust Christ alone. Now that's God's commandment. And if we would be saved, we better get busy submitting to it. We better get busy submitting. And I know submitting to the righteousness of Christ, to trusting His obedience, His righteousness alone, that takes God-given faith, doesn't it? I say it again, submission is not an act of weakness. It's an act of faith. The only way I can be saved, the only way I can be made righteous is through faith in Christ. Not my works, through faith in Christ. And if I won't submit, and I won't quit trusting in my works, I'm going to die in my sins and be damned. That's how serious this matter is. I mean, that's serious, isn't it? But if God saves me, and he reveals Christ to me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to submit. I'll show you a good example of that in Psalm 18. You know, us us Americans uh, that don't tread on me bunch, we don't have really any idea what it was like to live under a king. I mean a true sovereign. Somebody that I mean, there's no checks and balances. There's no waiting and voting him out of office. I mean, this guy, he's king. He's going to do what he wants and nobody can say anything about it. We don't know anything about that kind of power 
And that kind of uh, pride that had to come with that. You think of the, the pride of the person. I mean, nobody can tell him anything. Look what David says about those kind of fellows. Psalm 18, verse 43. And this, you know, this is Christ speaking. Verse 43. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen, a people whom I have not known shall serve me. Now, that, that you know that's Christ speaking. And look what he says here in verse 44. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. All these, these kings and these powerful, but the strangers, as soon as they, Christ is revealed to them, they're going to submit. They're going to submit. If God ever reveals Christ to me, if I ever see Christ, I'll submit. And there's no salvation without, without it, without that submission. All right, number three, look at Philippians chapter two. Mighty good reason to submit to one another is because you want to follow the example of our Savior. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't robbery for him to say he's equal with God because he is God. But he made himself no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now the entire life of our Lord Jesus was a life of submission. It's something to think about. This boy, Jesus of Nazareth, always knew he's God. He always knew who he was. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's God in human flesh. He knew who he was. He told his parents when they thought he was lost that time, they found him, explained the scriptures to all those doctors of the law. He said, wish you not, I must be about my father's business. And he went back home and submitted himself to them. Submitted himself to their authority. He obeyed them. They got their life. And breath. And food. And clothes from him. Yet he submitted himself unto them. He submitted himself. All the time he was in the, in the flesh. He submitted himself. To his father's will. The reason he was here in the flesh. And he had. You think how. How. The Prince of Glory humbled himself, humiliated himself to appear in this flesh. To hide his glory as the Son of God and to appear in the flesh. He did that because that was his Father's will. He submit, he's equal with the Father, but he submitted himself to his Father's will. And he came and he submitted himself to his own law. He with his finger Wrote the law. He's the one, the lawgiver that gave the law to Moses and then he came and obeyed it. He humbled himself to obey his own law. Kings never did that. Presidents sure try not to do that. The king of kings submitted himself to obey his own law. 
And he did it serving his people so that his people could be made righteous by his obedience. He submitted himself to suffer and die, even the death of the cross. They couldn't take him by force against his will. He made sure they knew that. Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, I am. And they're all laying on flat on the back. He let them know, oh, you're, I'm gonna t- you're gonna take me, but it's because I'm letting you. Because I'm willingly submitting to this, allowing you to take me so that I can be crucified, even the death of the cross, bearing the curse of the sin of his people, so they'd be redeemed from the curse of the law. I mean, you and I just can't fully grasp the depths of the submission of our Savior, what he submitted to. So the likes of you and me can be saved. I mean we can get some idea of it. We can't really fully grasp the depths of it. Aren't you thankful that's your savior? Or aren't you thankful he's the one. Who would come and save you. He's given you faith. Trust him. He's called you out. He's kept you. He's your savior. He has put your sin away. Aren't you thankful? Oh I worship him for that. I praise him for that. That's. First and foremost, now he's a sacrifice. He's the Savior. But i tell you what else. That one I love so much, that one I esteem so highly, I want to follow his example. I remember being a little guy and my dad was my hero. And I'm telling you, I wanted, I mean, whatever it took, I wanted to be just like him. Now you magnify that Infinitely. That's what the believer feels about the Savior. I want to follow his example. He submitted for my good. You know what that makes me desire? To submit for your good. See that? All right, fourth, look at Hebrews chapter 13. Number four, submit to your pastor. For your own good. I'm going to say this in a way I promise you. Not one word of it is self-serving. But this is what God's word tells us. Submit to your pastor for your own good. Hebrews 13 verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow. Considering the end. The goal of their conversation. The goal of their preaching. Which is Jesus Christ. The same yesterday and today and forever. In verse 17, he says, Obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. Now this doesn't mean, what the writer says here, doesn't mean that the pastor is to rule over every little detail of your life and tell you what to do and, and, and when to do it. That's, that's not what this means at all. Now the Lord has given me some, as a pastor, he's given me some understanding to be able to help and to be able to guide God's sheep. God's pastors have the rule over the, the church to lead the sheep and to guide them. That's what that word means. It means to guide. It means to guide God's sheep. It doesn't mean beat them up and order every little thing that they do, but but to guide them. And God has given his pastor some insight on some things. They'll help people, you know, if they'd ever listen. 
But this, this verse means so much more than that. So much more. God gives his people, pastors, after his own heart. After the very heart of God. Now you think about that. In Jeremiah 3, verse 15, God said, I'll give you pastors according to mine heart. According to my heart. Which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now I tell you, if Almighty God sends you a pastor who's preaching Christ, who's preaching a message to you that's sent to you from the very heart of God, you be wise to submit to his authority and to submit to his message. That's really what this means, to submit to his message. And here's his message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe him. Trust him. Quit your works and trust Christ alone. Now submitting to that message, that's profitable for you. It's so profitable, it'll give you eternal life. (laughs) And it's unprofitable to you to make your pastor preach to you and try to guide you, make him do it with grief. Because you won't follow, you know, you won't, he can't just guide you. He's got to push you along and just, that's unprofitable for you. You won't listen to his message. You fight him and argue with him every step of the way. That's unprofitable for you. That doesn't make you look like, you know, you're so big and important and no more than a pastor. It's unprofitable for you. If you won't submit to his message, it's so unprofitable for you, it'll damn your soul. This is serious business, isn't it? Serious business because there's no other way of salvation other than Christ alone. All right, fifth, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourself to the law of the land. 1 Peter 2 verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For, here's why you do this. For, so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now this is what the word of God teaches us. Obey the law. Unless they're telling us what to preach, what we can, what we can't preach, obey the law. Obey the law. It might not be right. It might be unfair. But obey it. You know, the example I use a lot is is, uh, is taxes. Why don't you just grind your teeth every April to have to pay taxes? To them? I mean, every time you get a paycheck, you're sending taxes to the government. You know what? Pay your taxes. Obey the law. Pay your taxes. Remember when... Uh, the Lord told Peter, go and get a fish and take that coin and go pay our taxes. Now, this is a Roman tax. You reckon that tax was fair? You reckon there was a, a, a publican adding a little premium on there that he could skim off the top? Was that fair? Of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. What did the Lord tell Peter? Pay that tax for you and me. Just obey the law. Even if you disagree with it. Obey the law. For this is God's will. This is God's will for us. 
and do it for the Lord's sake. That's what uh, he says in verse 13, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Now remember, this is not just for our sake. This is for the Lord's sake. For the sake of the Lord, for the sake of his reputation, for the sake of his gospel. This is what scripture teaches us. That the, you know, the, the powers that be who have political power over us, or the president, the governor, the mayor, whoever, they're the servants of God. They're God's servants. Now I know they're not a, a servant like a believer is God's servant, but they're God's servant. Paul told us that in Romans 13, they're the servant of God for your good to run government, punish evildoers, and you know reward those that, that don't do evil. These people, they're, here's how they're the servant of God. They're running this world so you don't have to. Let the potsherds of the earth strive with the potsherds of the earth. They're running this thing. They're God's servant doing God's will. Even if we disagree with it, they're doing God's will so that the believer can serve the Lord spiritually. Now, both of them are, are, are servants of God. The believer and, and those in political power, they're both servants of the Lord, serving in different areas, but they're both servants of the Lord. Now, obey them. Show them respect. Show them respect. That's God's will for us. It's his will that we do that. And submitting to their authority will also put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, if we don't obey the laws of the land, as a group, as a group of believers, we don't obey the the laws of the land. People watch. When you, when you go out to work every day, people know, they know where, you know, where you attend church. They, you know, they, they know pretty well what you believe, what, you know. Now you go acting like a horse's hind end, and you know what they're going to say? That gospel, that fellow that believes doesn't do anybody any bit of good. It doesn't make him peaceable. It doesn't make him a good citizen. It doesn't make him easy to get along with. It does just the opposite. I wouldn't go hear that gospel for nothing. That guy's savior can't be worth nothing. Because look what it made. It lets them go on and on and on, criticizing our gospel, criticizing our Savior, and bringing reproach upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're a good citizen and you obey the laws of the land, you take away the ability of those enemies of the gospel to be able to honestly accuse you of that. They'll say, well, here's a man. He, he's a he's a good citizen. This, you know, he's he's easy to, to get along with. He, he's easy to you know. He's not a, not a criminal. It, Peter tells us that's God's will for us. Now, I brought a message on this recently about the the will of God. We may know not know what God's will is in a whole lot of different areas. What what is God's will is? What is God doing? It well, I don't know, but this one I do know. This is God's will concerning us. That we obey the laws of the land. It's for the Lord's sake. For the sake of the gospel. Then let's submit to it. Let's submit to it. Is it worth submitting to those things? If it might make somebody come hear the gospel. That you love. Is it? Then do it. And here's the last thing. 1 Peter chapter 5. Submit. So that you receive God's grace. First Peter 5 verse 5. 
Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For, here's why you do it, for, God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Now, younger people should be subject to older folks, shouldn't they? Older folks hopefully have learned more because they've had time to learn more. So it just makes sense. Younger folks should should submit themselves to the older. You think the older would, you know, know better. It refers to the older in years and it refers to the elders in the church. But now, that doesn't mean older folks are to throw their weight around and never consider the younger. You know, go around strutting like a peacock that everybody's got to listen to me, you know, because I'm older. No, because remember what, what Paul said earlier, all of us submit one, one to another. <laughs> we need to remember this. Sometimes a younger person will have some understanding and a better idea than we have. You can read this in the, this afternoon if you want, Job chapter 32. But uh, those three friends of Job's that came to him. And there's a young man, Elihu, was there listening to all of them. Listening to them just butcher the truth, listening to their self-righteousness and their all that. And he waited until the, all the older men had spoken their peace. And then his anger was kindled and Elihu spoke. <laughs> and he said, I waited until your older fellows talk because age, age should speak first. But y'all are wrong. Y'all are wrong. And he, well, he had a message for him from God. So Paul says, all of you, all of you be subject one to another, older and younger alike. Submit yourselves to what's best for everybody else first. Just consider what is what everybody else needs first and what I want last. That's submitting ourselves. Isn't that humble? Now that's a humble attitude, isn't it? To think of others before I think of myself. Well, that's what Peter's telling us here. He said, be clothed with humility. Don't just put it on as a show. Be covered with it. Be covered with it. Clothed with humility. You know, a humble attitude, considering myself to be last and you to be first, considering you to be better than me, that's only an accurate, that's, that's the only accurate thought that I could have about myself. It's a humble, it's the only one that's accurate. Now be humble, Peter says, for, for, God gives grace to the humble. Now, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How much do you need God's grace? God says in his word, he gives grace to the humble. That's a mighty good reason to submit to one another, isn't it? That God would be gracious to us. And I'm going to end like I began. I know, I know better than most probably, how our nature hates to be humbled. How we we hate to be laid low and have to submit to the wants and the desires of somebody else. But we need to remember this. If we're humbled, if we're laid low, if we're submitting ourselves one to another. I know that's being laid low. I understand that. But you know what God says? Those that are laid low like that, 
He'll exalt them in due time. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now that's a pretty good reason just to let all this stuff go and submit to one another. If the Lord's going to take care of you, just submit and let it go. The Lord's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. And if we'd humble ourselves, we'd find ourselves to be recipients of God's grace. You read through the four Gospels and you read accounts of different people coming to the Savior and talking to Him. You know the ones that He always kept at arm's length. You, you know the ones he, he never would be gracious to them. He, he never would open himself up to them. He never. It's the Pharisee who was so proud and wanted everybody else to submit to him. But every single time somebody came and felt the Savior's feet, he was gracious to them. Mighty good reason to humble ourselves, isn't it? All right. I hope the Lord bless that.